Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 30 of Big League Flicks, a sports movie podcast. I'm Jamie McKinnon, and as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Christian Webster and Jordan Reed. How are we doing tonight, boys? Doing great, boys. Georgetown with the big W, just going into the finals of the Big East Tournament. Going to win, going to get into the tournament, and uh, it's going to be Georgetown basketball back and bigger, better than ever, JR. Webb's happy because Georgetown's actually going to play a meaningful few games for the first time in years. Since in March. The, since Syracuse maybe left the Big East, they haven't played a meaningful oh. meaningful game. So Kearson's going to be okay. They got eliminated at a tournament. Tournament. But uh, they're going to be okay. They're going to get a wild card bid, and they'll do great in the tournament. Uh, great to be here, everybody. Yeah, we got a good one this week. Uh, taking it back to our childhood, this was... Uh, this uh, It's funny because... This movie came out in 1992, but it seems like it, it doesn't seem that long ago. I can remember when this movie was in the theater, you know, like, and there were some movies around that time that just seemed like they were much older than this one. But uh, this week we are, we're doing a hockey movie and uh, we're starting out with a, with a legendary classic, which is the very first Mighty Ducks movie. From Walt Disney Pictures, he's a hotshot attorney who's never lost. Yes. Forced to coach a hockey team that's never won. Keep swinging, maybe I'll give him a cold. He'll try to teach them how to win. You think losing is funny? Well, men at first, but once you get the hang of it. And they'll teach him. Get off the roof, you little monkey. That winning isn't everything. Let's have fun out there. Walt Disney Pictures presents Emilio Estevez. Are we ducks or what? The Mighty Ducks. Rated PG. Parental guide, he suggested. Well, you guys know the routine. Every week, we got to crack a nice cold beer before we get into our review. So without further ado, let's get into our brew review. Ice cold beer! Ice cold beer, yeah? So what are we drinking tonight, Webb? Well, boys, uh, tough one tonight. There are many beers to choose from, but we said we decided since we're going back to our childhood, uh, we better go back to where it all began, and that's our dad's beer fridge. So uh, this week, similar to what we did when we did Varsity Blues, we decided that the fellows would uh, each pick the first beer that they may or may not have swiped from the old man's beer fridge uh, when they were a child. So when they're right around the time Mighty Ducks was probably coming out in our childhood, we were uh, sneaking into the old Pops beer fridge and grabbing one. So, JR, why don't you kick us off first? Well, everybody, um, as many of you know, I grew up in the east coast of Canada, and I have, <laughs> I have a pretty tight family connection. My mom and dad were from a town called St. John, New Brunswick, and St. John, New Brunswick is the home to Moosehead Beer, which is near and dear to my heart. And you were pretty hard-pressed to not find a moose head in our fridge growing up. Uh, my aunt, uh, she made, she was a brewmaster there. My dad even worked at Moosehead at one point. My grandfather worked at Moosehead. Everybody worked at Moosehead, it seems, in my family. So a Moosehead beer, and I'm, I'm going to go with a Moosehead lager in this one. Often, sometimes Moosehead light, but these are all near and dear. So cheers, fellas. I still think the Moose Light Lime is the best of those tacky lime beers. Man, it just tastes like it always did. So, Moosehead Lager, you never let me down, whether on draft, can, bottle. I love it. <laughs> what say you guys? I'll go next. Um, so, I actually, the, the first beer I would have chosen based on this premise, I we actually drank in an episode, or I drank in an episode earlier. Uh, I can't remember which one it was, but it was, uh, I had picked OV. 
which is that was uh, the varsity blues episode that's the that's what it was that's right um, it was your high school beer my high school beer so <laughs> that was that would have been the, that was the first beer that i would have taken out of my out of my dad's fridge because he did have he did drink a lot of ov back then old old vagina but uh this time i this was another beer i remember him having and i know he used to drink these because I remember him telling a story about how him and my mom went on their honeymoon, I think it was, and he, he he remembers like sitting on the beach and he used to have a big mustache back then and he said he remembers sitting on the beach and, and drinking this beer with like salt on the rim or salt, some type of salt or something with it and he remembers like uh, the salt taste in his mustache while he's drinking these and I'm talking about the Jamaican classic Red Stripe. Nice. So, I do remember. I, I remember these bottles because they have those uh, snub nose bottles. They're pretty sweet bottles back in the day. So. Stubby. Oh yeah. Crack myself a nice uh, red stripe, and uh, it's a tasty Jamaican lager. Well, boys, uh, my choice this week will be uh, no uh, no shock to the uh, all the listeners in Cheektowaga County, and uh, you can pick it up at any uh, local tailgate around Ralph Wilson Stadium. Uh, you get it the, best, the best-selling Canadian beer named for its label by fans of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, made from the finest Canadian barley malt selected hops. It's fresh, it's crisp, with light fruit, sweet malt, toasted grain, citrus, and grassy hop notes. It's a great choice for backyard entertainment and light fare. And it's the proud sponsor of the NWHL Buffalo Believes Classic Outdoor Game that I believe was postponed due to COVID, but once that gets back up and rolling will probably happen at some point. So I'm going with the one and only, the blue. Well done. Nicely done. Well Nicely done. done. <clears throat> big, I remember Big Wayno maybe giving me a six-pack of these for grade eight graduation. Not to promote <laughs> underage drinking, but cheers, boys. <laughs> cheers. Cheers. <laughs> so as we mentioned, this week we're doing The Mighty Ducks, directed by Stephen Herrick, distributed in 1992 by Buena Vista Pictures. They got a 6.6 6, uh, rating on Internet Movie Database on only 23% on Rotten Tomatoes. The critics kind of lambasted this one. Budget of $14 million, grossed $50.8 million at the box office, so a nice little return there. Music by David Newman, starring Emilio Estevez. Emilio! Joshua Jackson. I was like, Emilio! <laughs> uh, Joshua Jackson, Heidi Kling, and Lane Smith. Quick movie synopsis. After being charged for drunk driving, hotshot lawyer Gordon Bombay is court-ordered to coach a peewee hockey team. Bombay is, a very re- is very reluctant at first. However, he eventually gains the respect of the kids, helps them discover an identity, and teaches them how to win. In the finals, they face Bombay's old team and his old domineering coach, giving Bombay a chance to conquer old demons. Let's jump into our character review, and let's start out with, uh, with our main guy, Gordon Bombay, played by Emilio Estevez. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, Gordon Bombay. What do I say? Um, there's a lot of traits of Gordon Bombay that I don't like that a certain other host of this podcast made a video about. If you check out our YouTube page, um, there's a video on there that he really highlights a lot of traits that I don't like about Gordon Bombay as well. I also think he's a product of the crazy minor hockey experience, a la GTA, GTHL Chamber. Um <laughs> He's Jamer's favorite league. Um, So he's that crazy experience where that idea of winning at all costs and it carried with him through life. And I think he learned a lot of the bad things that we don't really want kids to learn out of the minor hockey experience. And it kind of carried with him. So I think the scars of 
the young life, so to speak, get to him. Um, I have some problems with him. I just don't find him. I think he just seems like such an entitled jerk often. Um, I don't know how much he actually knows about hockey. Uh, I don't believe Basil McRae and Mike Medano when they said this guy was the man in Pee-wee's. I don't think the triple deke is tight, neither here nor there. But you know what? He tries to take a group of kids and grow them up, I guess, to District 5. Um, he's only there to do his community service hours. I don't really think the reason he's there is a good idea but, or a great cause. I found... I always will go down in my mind as like, you know, young me where I like coach Bombay, but the older I get, the less I actually realize how I don't like coach Bombay. And I think I'm going to leave it at that. I don't really have a great answer for him. Um, somebody, when that kid was in Wee, get him some hockey pants fit. Holy <laughs> cow. And then dad on the pond, take that scarf off that kid right now. Hold that thing. Get him a bucket. Get him a helmet. Yeah. The butch Goring helmet. Um, I think on a serious note, I think Emilio Estevez, though, was well cast for this role. Yeah. He's right off the 1980s heartthrob days, and they needed somebody to with some pop for this movie to me. They needed a bigger name, and he's coming off some big movies in the mid to late 80s, and I think the casting of Estevez was great. Yeah. Um, good flow. I think Estevez was fine. Yeah, he was fine in the, in the role. Great flow, good-looking guy. Not and a I weapon, really good flow. Yeah, well, it's true. I don't think I think Estevez did a good job as doing it. I just the character itself, I wasn't a huge fan. But Estevez did a nice job, and I like how they used his popularity coming off those '80s movies. Those weren't that long ago—five, six years out on a few of them. Um, yeah. So I think he was he was still pretty relevant. Anyway, those are some of the things that I kind of had on him. Um, there's something, a couple of things I'll touch on in the Realism Faith review, but that's neither here nor there, Web. I'm going to keep this short and defer most of my time to Jamer because I know he's got a lot to say on old Gordon Bombay. I'm just going to say the guy needs some serious uh, psychiatric help. The fact that he's letting uh, whatever his name is, the Hawks coach, Christ, I can't even remember now, uh, letting, Riley? Riley, l- letting Riley take up that much free space in his brain all these years <laughs> later is pretty sad, to be quite honest with you, uh, and needs to get over it. So, you know, the guy's kind of a scumbag. Uh, I'm similar to you, JR. It, it was funny. I said last night in watching this movie, I have to remember that this movie is made for kids. So there's a certain, like, uh, way you got to kind of watch it and not be too complete jackass grumpy web. But, uh, yeah, not a huge, huge fan of Gordon Bombay as, as an adult. And as a man, I think he's kind of pathetic. So I'm going to leave it at that. And, Jamer, I'm going to turn it over to you. Yeah. No, I think Jr. You touched on a lot of the stuff. Yeah, and, you know, he's he's at, at his heart, he's kind of a selfish prick, and it and it's, it has a lot to do with his background and his, you know, his father's death and what had happened the same year with Coach Riley. Coach Riley became his de facto kind of father figure after his dad passed away, and you know the way he mistreated him really left long lasting scars on a, on his psyche mm-hmm. the rest of his life. Right, obviously. We talked about that. And what JR was mentioning is we have a, on our YouTube channel, we have a, a compilation we put together called Gordon Bombay's a Scumbag. So check it out if you want to get some more. And I won't, I won't get into all the in-depth stuff there, but it's kind of a funny little tongue-in-cheek. Uh, uh, can I just jump in for a sec, James? Did, yep. do we, can we really say that Riley really messed him up that bad? The kid missed a, a shot. And, like, seriously, like, that's how, 
I don't know, like what, did he make sure that he never played hockey again? And we never actually hear how he messed so, him up. Well, I think he, he quit. But I mean, at a young age where he's very impressionable, I mean, you could see some of the stuff. And you got to assume Riley probably softened over the years, right? We're talking 20 years I prior. Suppose. And he was already on the bench, like smashing kids on the head with the stick and screaming at them like for you're gonna i'm gonna cut you all like these are kids that are just scared to death of this guy right like coaches can mess kids up for sure i don't doubt it but i'm just saying he also has hans as a father figure and i'm sure hans could uh, (laughs) maybe put him on a different maybe he plays for the district five team yeah who knows i mean (laughs) i think this was like yeah but I, i mean gordon you're supposed to have that redemption feeling with Gordon Bombay where, you know, like, he does all these shitty things, makes a lot of shitty mistakes, but then, you know, he teaches these kids to fly, so to speak, and mm-hmm. you're supposed totally to feel all warm. Too. I think, yeah, you're, you're supposed to feel all warm-hearted. And like you mentioned, JR, as a kid, I, I did feel that way. I loved him at the end of it. But as an adult, I'm looking back on some of this stuff, and I'm like, some of this stuff, you kind you had yeah. no choice but to do it, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you had no choice but to do the right thing, so to speak. And then how much... jail. <laughs> so, like... Yeah, and how much of the stuff that he started with Charlie was more about his mom than it was about him? He was trying to get into her pants. Like, you know what I mean? So... How, about, how about willingly taking all the kids into the mall and saying, go ahead, rollerblade down the stairs and go kill yeah. yourselves. And Let's just, take the like... kid who can't skate and fire him into a mall full of people with rollerblades <laughs> on. Yeah. Not, to, not to mention, like, there's no way that woman, that, that 80-year-old woman got smoked into the fountain and didn't break, break a hip. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's yeah, he's not getting up clean from that. I'm sorry. Oh, he's a he's a juvenile. You know. <laughs> and then how about in a Disney movie they kind of gloss over this DUI that he gets at the beginning? <laughs> yeah, it's just part of the process, I guess, to them. I don't know. Like the rest and of the then, world, uh, not cool. And then as a as a kind of a punishment, you're gonna have him teach kids. Like as a parent, you really want this scumbag who just got a DUI and whatever coming in. Let's not forget he's teaching kids how to cheat. Yeah. <laughs> he shows them how to cheat as well. Real ethical guy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's jump into Charlie Conway, played by Joshua Jackson. Uh, I, I like the character of Charlie Conway. I really don't mind that character. Um, that somebody had to take on the leader of the captain of the team and the rise and the fall and the steadfast team first kind of person um, that was needed. Uh, remember, yeah, it was a kid's show. So you needed somebody, though, who could, you know, stand up to the coach, but also have the year of the team, kind of ins and outs of the team. Josh Jackson was fine. Um, Charlie Conway, not the greatest player in the world, but uh, for God's sake, just put a helmet on. Can you just put a helmet on that kid? Like, why do you never have a helmet on? I don't understand. Yeah. I never understood that when I was a little kid. Um, why do they have kids on the bench all the time that don't have buckets on? I, I have a point about that later. But yeah, yeah. we'll go on to that one, like, all that point later. Um, <clears throat> I just put a couple things. You know, Kaya, the last thing I'll add is uh, grows up as the show goes on. I yeah. kind of like the commitment to the team of Charlie Conway. That was something as a little kid and as an adult when I watched it, I'm like, you know what, that's how you, the, to be a good teammate. That character displays some traits on how to be a good teammate. So. I don't have anything too negative to say. That was a good character. Good job by Josh Jackson, Canadian. And he did a great job, bud. I love Charlie Conway. He's your classic third liner. He goes in the corners. He grinds. He's a hell of a four checker. He's yep. always in there tr- mixing it up, trying to get loo- get the puck loose. He's creative. 
you know, a little bit of a spaz from time to time. Can't finish, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. That's why he's on the third line. Uh, yeah, great kid. Hell of a stylish kid. He seems to have the best the best gear on in the uh, detention Good scene, 90s that's gear. for sure. Yeah, yeah, classic. Absolutely. And uh, he's got some sick '90s flow too. So, sure does. I mean, what what can you say? It means well. Tries to look out for his mom. I like him. Yeah, he's heart and soul. Uh, yep. Let's move on to Hans, played by Joss Ackland. Hans, what did I have for Hans? Oh, uh, he had he did a good job just being the dad role. Um, you know what? One of my favorite scenes, probably my favorite scene from the Mighty Ducks to this day, still is the shopping spree st- scene. When they're going in and going nuts. I remember as a kid, I was like, that is the greatest thing ever. Oh, yeah. And at his sports store, I always kind of remember that. And I always remember the scene of him sharpening the skates. I love that sound. Ken Gunner Garrett, Jamer. I loved listening to Gunner sharpen skates and just watching the skates and watching the sparks. I enjoyed that. So Hans was that good, calm role model. That's the actual better role model for Coach Bombay. But uh, yeah. he uh, did a good job calming things of being that person of focus. You have to have somebody in there kind of navigating the waters or helping some sort of mentor role for Gordon. You so, like the Hughes Pro Shop. Yeah, Hughes Pro Shop. <laughs> <laughs> My, minus a few whiskeys, you know. <laughs> Just a couple back. Was, yeah, I mean, that sound. I, I love that sound. I can never not. I love the sound. Just that whole sound going through reminds me of just some good days, uh, Webb. Yeah, uh, it's funny. Minus all the sports equipment, too. Every time I see this movie, and I now as an adult, and I see uh, Han's shop, it reminds me of there's a bar in Kitchener-Waterloo called the Edelweiss. And it's very similar style setup, everything else. You know, uh, I'm going to guess Han's is not German. Well, maybe he is German. I don't know. I was going to say he's Scandinavian or something, maybe, too. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But uh, very similar kind of feel to it, and if you threw all the like hockey equipment in the the uh, the Edelweiss, it'd be a very similar setup. Uh, love Hans. Hans has got my favorite line of the whole movie uh, when we get kind of first introduced to him, and when he's coming in there, and he's like, I, "Bombay's like, why didn't you say hi?" He's like, "Well, you were so busy screaming at the kids, I didn't want to spoil the moment." Yeah, just pointing out what a dick Bombay is. So yeah, I don't know. He. Uh, He's probably my uh, one of my favorite characters in this film, just because he he just does nothing but help. It's hard yeah. not to root for him. No, oh, he's a great guy. So the actor Joss Ackland, I was trying to remember where I, he was a bad guy in something else, and it was Lethal Weapon Two. Um, All right, like it's probably been a while since you guys saw that movie. Oh but yeah, I've had to pull time. that one out of the woodwork, and I remember he was the he was kind of like the the villain in uh, Lethal Weapon <laughs> Two, and. Uh, I was thinking that pro shop that he has, like when they had it, when he first walks up to it, when Gordon's walking up the laneway to it, that thing's massive. It's like a huge castle. It's yeah, like, it's cool looking. So clearly, he this uh, Hans has got some of that drug money from Lethal Weapon. Yeah. <laughs> He's on the lamp here. He's like, yeah. Yeah, that's a fake name. So He's probably laundering. He's laundering through the pro shop. Yeah, exactly. Because there's nobody ever in the pro shop. It's just Charlie and whoever. Like, and a ton and a ton of Christian sweet Christian twigs. Yeah, well, Christian Those are wicked. Wicked. Yeah. Say no to drugs. Remember they'd say, say yeah. no to drugs on it. <laughs> I had one that was like uh, turquoise. It was sweet. Mine was white and orange. It was the best. So sweet. I had a white, just a pure white one with black lettering. It was so oh, oh, nice. 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 Let's uh, move on to Coach Jack Riley, played by Lane Smith. 
Uh, this guy uh, does a great job. Uh, Lane Smith, nice job of being the villain in this movie. Movie had to have some sort of a villain. Um, and yeah, he did a good job acting in this. Uh, Coach Riley, again, you have to have somebody in this role of the f- with so much feel good going on. Somebody has to be the problem and somebody has to represent uh, the force against or the antagonist, I guess. And Coach Riley did it. Um, we've all seen and heard, and there's coaches like this that exist. I thought that was a character of who kind of realistic. It's carry people get carried away in minor sports back then, today, especially. And nice job. Uh, the mind games, crazy coach, horrible mentor. And I wrote that we just needed a villain for this movie. And that was our villain. And we, you know, all the quotes and the lines we'll get into that he says, but all right, all right. And then that little collar pop. Oh, I love the collar pop. <laughs> that's pure villain. And I loved it. I, I thought it was a great character, very important and needed. Yeah. He, I mean, you need him, like you said. He's a little over the top, obviously. Uh, I mean, there's coaches that we all know who are absolute pricks. and this, But this guy takes it to a whole other level. The only yeah. thing I'm going to say about this guy, the only uh, role that I remember him being just as good, if not uh, better than his coach here, or his job as Coach Riley, is the dad in uh, Pauly Shore's classic, so, Son-in-Law. son-in-law. <laughs> yes. I was going to mention Look at Son-in-Law. Get some grandage! <laughs> hey, do you have a screwdriver? I'm sorry, I'm all out of vodka. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You know who else is in Son in Law? Tiffany Amber Thiessen. Oh, How are you now? Martin, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't you? You know who I like Kelly better than Carla, Carla Gugino or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, was yeah, she yeah, not yeah. Saved by the Bell, too? She was on Saved by the Bell. She probably was. She was on the summertime one when they worked at the summertime resort, wasn't she? Wasn't that her? Oh, no. Girlfriend? No, no, no. That's, that's uh, 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 Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The, the Ramini. Ramini. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I got them mixed up. That's on me. Sorry. Munching on some grindage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that movie's amazing. It's pretty good. Yeah, I don't have much that on Riley. He's. Uh, I want to ask you guys this: on the on a Bud Kilmer scale, one to ten, how many Bud Kilmers do you give him? Go ahead, Webb. You go first on this one. What's the max? Five. Ten. We'll go out of scale. Oh. I'd say he's high. He he'd go he'd go at least eight eight and a half. Can't give him higher than Kilmer because he's not putting drugs in kids. But I'm gonna go I'm gonna go eight and a half because he's just as much of a prick, if not worse. And the fact that he's deliberately telling like twelve year olds to go out and like maim and injure kids that's pretty bad. I got him. Yeah. At I have him at eight eight because of that reason. He promotes huge checking from behind. And okay. smashing in the goalposts yeah. at 12 years old. So I have met 8 8. He's the, he's the reason the kids have a stop sign on the back of their jerseys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, let's much. move on to Casey Conway, uh, Charlie's mom, played by Heidi Kling. Uh, I'll be brief on this one. You guys know I love a love story. So she provided the love interest for you. Needed a, if you're going to have Emilio Estevez in 92, hot off the 80s, you got to have a love interest for Emilio Estevez too. And she did a great job. And it was important. You need somebody to tune up Coach Bombay once in a while. And you also needed somebody for uh, Gordon Bombay to fall in love with. So, And then the Charlie angle. So that's all I have for that. She was great. She was fine. She gives you the example of a strong working mom, right? Who I love the scene where basically 
Emilio's trying to run his game when they're out looking at the ice palace and she's like, no, Charlie comes first. He always comes first. Yeah. Like, I think we've talked about characters like her before. Like, that's something we all respect. Um, so, I mean, it's it's nice to see that kind of consistency in, in character there. Um, and I think she did a good enough job. And the casting was, was good. She's uh, attractive enough, but believable that she uh, could also be like that kind of like plain Jane kind of mom, right? Like, she's not super attractive she's just like down to earth kind of girl yeah tired girl next door kind of good looking right she's uh, tired she's like a single mom which yeah minneapolis and mind you they had a pretty slick looking apartment big decent size looking apartment for a single mom yeah. so yeah working at a diner at the diner yeah that was purchased before the reagan era I don't know. there you go <laughs> Reaganomics. <laughs> uh, are there any other notable characters uh, you want to give a shout out to? Uh, well, I got to go Banks, just a stud. Forever a stud is Banks. Oh, good. The ultimate cake eater, but at the same time, just a stud. Yeah. Gonna, he puts the ducks over the top. He's up there. He's your, he's your uh, modern day uh, Austin Matthews. Yeah, yeah 100%. I'm going, uh, I'm going Aberman. Strictly for the uh, sick Reebok pumps that he's pumping in the uh, scene where they're putting the dog shit in the the purse. (laughs) (laughs) And he's got some pretty good one-liners. Yep. I want to give a shout-out to uh, Gerald Ducksworth, which was the partner. like the Oh, quack, 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 Mr. Ducksworth. Yeah, law firm partner. He gets a... I know he's supposed to be viewed as some kind of a villain in this. I liked him. I think he was right. I think when uh, when he fires Bombay, he's right about that too. And here's my take about that whole situation. I didn't like what Gordon Bombay did with Adam Banks. I think that was bullshit. I think that was underhanded. The season had already started. If you're gonna if you're gonna harp on that rule, you do it before the season started because the kids, these are ten year old kids, are playing with their friends. They grew up with, together, and even though those kids are pricks. You know, that's his best friends, right? Like, this kid grew up in the same neighborhood, and you're going to come in here and pull this kid out of his comfort zone, pull him away from his friends because you want to get a leg up on your old former coach that you have an axe to grind with? I don't like that at all. Like, if you're going to pull that, you wait till the season's over. You, you, you go and say, you know, according to what the regulations are, the line is here, and this is where he lives, and let them figure it out at that point. I thought it was an underhanded thing, and he... he, he you know, this kid might have been crying that night, and you know, at home, and his parents trying to figure out how to get this kid wanting to play hockey again. You know, a lot of kids might have quit at that point and not played the rest of the year. So, I didn't like what he did. And when basically uh, this Ducksworth or whatever, he said that was his best friend. They probably went to law school together or something like that. And he's in his office, and he said, "Gordon, this is my best friend. It's his kid. He wants to play with his friends." You got to drop your protest. That's your boss. Your boss stuck his neck on the line when you got that DUI. He made a deal with the judge to get you some leniency. He's put he gave up your with team your $15,000 or something, too. Yeah. He's put up with your shit. <laughs> like good point. This guy's got any, any, yeah, exactly. And he sponsored your team when you were, you were he, doing he that. He your team. That's when you're like, okay, like Gordon Bombay's ego was too big for him there. And I, and I don't blame this guy for firing him. He's like, you know what? I've given you so many chances. And you're you're gonna bite the hand that feeds you. Forget that. Because you know, like that, if that's your best friend, you're not gonna let your best friend down. Like, hey, you're, he point. comes in. My my kid yeah. was crying last night. He doesn't get to spend the rest of the season with his friends, and now 
don't worry, I'll make this right, right? So I don't blame him. I know they were trying to villainize him in that moment. I don't I don't think he's a villain at all in my mind. Uh, Jamer, one more quick one. I'll be quick. Um, folks and listeners, uh, Greg Goldberg, um, if you Google that, that's a uh, stay away from drugs, if I've ever seen it. <laughs> cautionary Holy tale? cow. Yeah. Just, How uh, bad a cautionary goalie is he? He's a horrible goalie. Terrible. He's he's pure Philly trash. Let's call it like it is. I'm sorry. He's a him and gritty. Him and gritty the mascot. Oh, he is gritty. He's gritty he is the gritty mascot. Before gritty. Yeah, he's gritty before gritty. Philly trash. If Jakub Voracek and him had a baby, that would be gritty. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's jump into some quotes. You guys have any quotes you want to mention? Yeah, what do I have? Well, I think. Uh, the, the concept of cake eater, we all said during the early 90s for the next few years after we said cake eater a lot. Yeah. Um, I had um, breath, blood, or urine. No thanks, I'm full. Gordon, <laughs> yeah. that was actually a pretty funny quote. <laughs> and, uh, well, I'll say one more, but there's there's a few I know. Uh, not, worth winning. not worth winning if you can't win big. That's a big one that was always said for years after. Even in my rock, he used to stay in the room all the time. Not worth winning if you can't win big. And it was like an ongoing joke. And that was like just point night. <laughs> so that was one of those. Anyway, there's lots of other ones I know. So web fire away. Uh, I, I mentioned the Hans one. That's probably my favorite. But the one that still makes me laugh to this day because it's just so ridiculous. When the kid from the Hawks, what's his name? Like McGill or McGill? Yeah. yeah. What did you do? My job, like he's just so bad. Like it's so cheesy. It makes me laugh every time. Like I must have rewound it and watched it like four times last night yeah. just because I was laughing so. Good. My job. Yeah, make sure you don't have anything in your mouth when that line comes across. <laughs> yeah. With the big Jofa and the visor cage yeah. combo, and you're like, look at that thing. Yeah. And then Reed satellites comes, and then Reed just comes and dumps him over the bench like just oh, yeah. funny. Holding Reed. Yeah. That's that's awesome. Man. Cousin Fulton. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into some uh, some little known facts. So, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, who was actually an unknown at the time, auditioned for the role of Charlie Conway, but his parents wouldn't let him do the movie, so the produ- producers ended up casting uh, Joshua Jackson. Jake Gyllenhaal, that would have been interesting. Wow. Been yeah. yeah, he'd be fine. Interesting. So Charlie Jackson's was... had a pretty legit career. Yeah, he has. Um, Charlie Sheen was offered the role of Gordon Bombay, uh, Emilio Estevez's brother, but he turned it down and later, uh, it went to Emilio. Bill Murray was also considered to play the role of, uh, Gordon Bombay, but he was deemed too old. I can't Mm -hmm. picture Bill Murray playing that character. He's too lovable. Yeah. He doesn't present like a slime ball. No. And Sheen doesn't have enough intensity sometimes where he's like, sure, whatever. You know, like he... The Mastavez can present a little more intensity sometimes, so I'll get well, yeah. because he's stoned all the time. But too yeah, shy. it would have been. <laughs> that's I don't know. Game over. Yeah, that's it. Winning. Had... <laughs> Sheen would have had to play it more like uh, Major League Two style, you know, where he was a little bit more polished. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, I don't. Know. I, I I don't think it would have been as good. It definitely Emilio was, no. was really good for the role. So Eldon Henson, who played Fulton Reed, and Garrett Ratliff Henson, who played Guy Germain, are actually brothers in real life. Eldon, who played Fulton Reed, had to dye his hair and change his name uh, so that he could be cast as as the brother. 
Oh. Leonardo DiCaprio auditioned for the part of uh, Charlie Conway, but lost out to Joshua Jackson. In similar fashion, Whoa. Juliette Lewis tried out for the part of Connie. Uh, what's her last name? Connie Moreau. 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 Whatever. Yeah. She lost out to Marguerite Moreau. Wow. Some big Leo get Leo getting upstaged by Joshua Jackson. Like, how are you not going to hold that over Leo's oh, head for the rest of your yeah. life? Every time you saw him, I'd be like. Oh, let me just go live off this Disney royalty. Oh, yeah, you got an Oscar? I beat you when I was 12. <laughs> yeah. Catch I'd me if you can, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, working with Martin Scorsese, are you? I still got Mighty Ducks over you. <laughs> yeah, I'm making residuals for yeah. decades of nothing. Yeah. A triple deke made me triple rich. Yeah. <laughs> So the original premise of The Mighty Ducks was actually a much darker movie with very little comedy, and it was about an ex-NHL player turned alcoholic who seeks revenge on his old coach by coaching opposite of him. The main idea stayed when Disney bought the rights to the movie, but a lot of the elements were changed, such as Bombay is is a lawyer who never played in the NHL, uh, who must complete DUI community service stuff. Uh, It had a much more of an emphasis... um, on like adult themes in the in the main one, and, and a lot less on comedy. But obviously, it got Disneyed up. Hmm. I don't think I would have liked it as much if it was kind of more of a darker one. You definitely wouldn't be having all these sequels, probably. No, no. I think it's. I mean, we'll get into some other things, but I, I think the just the tone of how it was written was was done correctly. So yeah, Steve, I agree with that. Yeah, Stephen Brill, uh, who's a writer, uh, who wrote the script. He actually tried to pull a Sylvester Stallone and not sell it unless he got to play Gordon Bombay. <laughs> but he was denied by Biz- Disney because they wanted a big name for the role. Brill ended up playing a, a smaller role as Gordon Bombay's first opposing counsel in court, Frank. He appears in uh, the sequels as well. He has like little bit parts in the sequels as well. So the character of Gordon Bombay is actually derived from a combination of two well-known brands of gin. Gordon's and Bombay. Bombay Sapphire, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Both fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of a neat way they did it. It is. So here's one for you, JR. Bombay's car is a 1991 Chevrolet Corvette C4. (laughs) How you Nice. Nice. Sweet ride. That was a very sweet. I don't know in Minnesota how good that'd be in the snow. No. The rear wheel drive Corvette. (laughs) With your. uh, Throw some chains on there. (laughs) <laughs> what, was, what was the license plate? Win big or win? Win big or something like that, yeah. Just, just, win. Win. Just, just win. win. Just win. Just win. Yeah. Real real drive with some slicks on in Minnesota. I don't know if that, that's going to get you far. No. So, yeah, you kind of touched on it earlier, Jared, but there's a fun little cameo by former Minnesota North Star players Basil McRae and Mike Medano. That's a fun little scene there. Mike Medano was so cool. Yeah. Cool. Man, Basil McRae oh. was a hell of a scrapper. He was willing. There's no yeah. question about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He could oh throw. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, Jack White was the hockey coordinator in all three Mighty Ducks movies. He's also uh, coordinated on Youngblood and The Cutting Edge. He has a cameo in this one as the referee in the movie. So, he was the referee in the last game. Oh, yeah? Oh, nice. Yeah. Also, one hell of a guitar player for the White Stripes. Jack White, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a fun thing. So in the that NHL game that the kids went to see, the two teams playing are the Minnesota North Stars and the Hartford Whalers, which 
That's awesome. I didn't pick up on. I didn't even notice the whale. It was funny. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't notice it at first either. So obviously, both have moved on to other franchises. With the North Stars are now Dallas. The Dallas Stars and Hartford Whalers are now Carolina Hurricanes. So there was an interesting article that I came across. So I grabbed a few notes from this article. It was a Sports Illustrated article called "Flying High at 25: An Oral History of the Making of the Mighty Ducks" by Sal Barry. So Jack White, as we mentioned earlier, was the hockey coordinator. He had this to say. None of these kids could skate. I'm telling you, they were just horrible. Uh, when they all auditioned, they all said they could play hockey, but none of them could. He said, so when we got we got them all dressed up, they skated around the ice for the first time, they were like literally falling down. Some of them could barely stand. It was hilarious. So now I had to develop these kids into hockey players. So they gave me six weeks to try to make them into like uh, plausible hockey players. That, oh, wow. And... You can see in the scenes that, like, at the beginning of the movie, where they actually have the actors and you can see their faces and stuff. But later on in the movie, they ended up using doubles when they actually get better. Mm -hmm. So they they used a lot of kids. And then the next thing from Jack White, he mentions, uh, he's talking about the doubles. Each actor had four doubles, four skating doubles. He said, we had to have so many because we were filming in Minnesota in the middle of the hockey season. And uh, a lot of these doubles were playing a lot of hockey at that time. So literally, we'd, we would call, we'd have a scene with like three or four actors. And uh, we would just call up, we'd start going through the list of doubles. And like, you know, the first couple might have a game that they have, that they, that then they can't make it to the set. Uh, because in Minnesota, hockey's, hockey's more important than doing a film. <laughs> so it was kind of interesting. <laughs> But you could see some of those doubles when they were zipping around. Like, those kids could play. They were, like, later yeah. in the movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, Basil McRae said that when they put Emilio... Uh, when they had that scene, that one scene with him and uh, Mike Medano with Emilio Estevez. Yeah. Estevez is so much shorter than them, they had to put him on a box. <clears throat> that's funny. <laughs> so that's why you can only see him from the waist up. Is He's literally standing on a box, so he doesn't look like... He's almost the same size as some of those kids, so... Yeah. Put him on a milk crate. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. I know they did that with Jean Claude Van Damme in some of his movies. They, mm-hmm. you, you'll see a lot of movies where they don't, when they have him with women, they don't usually show his feet. He's usually standing on something. So like the hard target, I think he was on. It, there was like I remember reading something about that. Yeah, yeah. Sure. <clears throat> Let's jump into our realism review. What was realistic and what was unrealistic for you guys? Oh boy. Oh. Boy. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll go with real. I'm going to start with real, guys, just to uh, change it up a little bit here. Um, I put real the... uh, I thought one scene that was kind of real and it was kind of like the love of hockey was when Gordon went skating again for the first time. You know when you get new skates that are sharp out on a fresh piece of ice? It is a nice sound and it's fun. And you do like some tight turns and you're just that sound. To me, that was real. Where you're trying to get the love of the game back. I'm reaching here too, by the way. But... I'm trying to like I'm I'm real. But to me that was some real um you know what else was kinda real that I don't know, you guys can might disagree with me, but finding figure skaters that end up being really good hockey players. Figure skaters who are people who took figure skating young that I yep. grew up with were always really good skaters later in hockey. And it was one even yeah. over power skaters. I found figure skaters as kids were fantastic skaters. Yeah, all our power skating teachers were figure skaters. We had Nancy Brennan, who is Kip mm-hmm. Brennan's mom. She's I don't know if she had something to do with teaching or her husband did. He's oh. a principal or something. Anyway, okay. Um, and then uh, we also had Lynn Grivich. 
Uh, you must have gone to school with the kids. Web, the daughters, maybe? Yeah, Angie Grivich, I think, Angie, was her name yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Lynn, yeah, Lynn was Lynn was a figure skater too. She was, they were great teachers, like really good uh, power skating. We had a lot of kids that did really well coming out of their teaching. Um, and a couple other things I had was the crazy hop, hockey atmosphere. We've talked about that tons. Um, we know that. Another thing was the disenfranchised people around hockey a little bit, or it's just you're done. Um, those are my real um, fake. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> uh the limo let's we, i'll just go on a couple i'll let you guys go on some the limo at practice um put your helmet on for love of god i don't know why your helmet's always off uh let's see well, 198 goals i think you're in the wrong league just saying <laughs> i don't think you belong in that league at 198 goals and maybe 50 games you know you know when writers don't know anything about hockey Sorry, sorry to just say. This no, one that, no worries. Before you get away from that, I wanted to say this one thing. You know the writers don't know anything about hockey when they say you made 192 goals. Instead yeah. of like scoring goals, you're making goals. Yeah, but they're they're the same they're the same writers who had America's number one hockey publication publishing stories about a Pee Wee hockey team in a house league. Yeah. That is true. And they <laughs> very, also, very true. They also had the same writers in another movie who had Iceland as the best team in the world. Yeah. <laughs> Again, in Canada, lost nine one or something. Yeah. Uh, no not to mention a house league team has its own rink and own banners. House league team, but it plays in the state championship somehow. And Trinidad and Tobago seems to have a pretty decent team too. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the last, no, I'll be. I'll, I'll, I'll wrap it up. The last one too, like no masks at practice. When they practice with no masks on, they're like eleven. <laughs> Yeah, they're practicing with eggs. What do they need masks for? <laughs> anyway, I could go on. I could go on for the whole movie. I'm trying to really just be as fair as humanly possible. Web, go ahead. Okay, here we go. Uh, I won't. I won't. Uh, I, I gotta have. No, I gotta go. I gotta go. I, I gotta stick with. Stay on brand here, Grumpy Web. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, things that I did like the twigs. Obviously, we talked about like the the equipment. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing with the equipment. So the Ducks finally get all their uniforms, right? Blue, yellow, green. They go with a mallard look. What color are their gloves? The red gloves. Red and white gloves. What the fuck is that? Sorry, yeah. wardrobe guy. Get gloves that match the rest of your gear. Sorry. We always wondered that as kids, too. Oh, like, my God. What are you red? doing? Do Ducks uh, have red feet? <laughs> yeah. What do I got? Uh, I'm still trying to figure out all these years later how the Hawks are champs when this is a glorified house league. Uh, the the equipment that the District 5 team is playing with. Pretty sure that Charlie Conway is playing with a plastic road hockey stick blade at he one did. point. Uh, the Jofa the the buckets that every kid in this movie has are absolutely awful. Gold, Goldberg as the goalie literally hiding from the puck. Not happening. Uh, Coach Ryan cheering on the cross check after Conway whiffs on the puck, calling kids pansies. So over the top. Uh, the way that Bombay holds the stick when he's in the practice for the first time, you can tell Emilio Estevez has never even touched a hockey puck, probably. Uh, we talked about Fulton can't skate, so let's throw him on blades and throw him through the mall. Uh, kids saying, you uh, being a duck, you have no fucking choice. Your equipment was shit. You're going to be a duck whether you like yeah. it or not. Uh, Carp, does he go to concussion protocol? The guy's got a friggin' dentist helmet. Yeah. Uh, America's number one hockey publication. What else did I got here? Uh, Basil McRae just going to get him a shot with the minor league team. 
because yeah. he was a sick peewee player. What else I got? So many kids, <laughs> so many kids sitting on the bench with their, with their buckets on. Like what? We can't. Hans could only dole out six buckets. We had to rotate them all through the, through the kids, the lineup. Uh, the Hawks are apparently the biggest peewee team ever because every single kid towers over about four foot over every single other player in the Ducks, other than Fulton Reed. Uh, the kid responded with my job. Uh, Jesse with the clear interference on the second goal of the inter- in the uh, championship game. He takes out like four guys on the yeah. way to the net. Uh, yeah. What else I got? Flying V. Oh, and the Just flying V. Yeah, the <laughs> flying V. And finally, the one thing that I go, I really actually like about this, and it's underappreciated, and I'm going to give this shout out to Mrs. Webster for this one, the fact that they didn't actually sensationalize or glorify the fact that girls were on this team. It was yep. just a thing. And I actually really like that about that, this movie. Good point. Very good point. That's a great point, Webb. And I, you, you might remember this type of stuff, JR, but when, when we were kids around that age, we had girls on our team too, and they were really good because usually the girls were a bit bigger than the guys back then. Or a little they developed taller. earlier. Because yeah. we had some really, we had like uh, Brittany Miller was like a really good player at that age, and uh, she went on to play at like Division One, and there was a lot of really good ones, a lot of good players. So uh, yeah, that's a really good point, Webb. That they is did a really great good job point. with that. Yeah, Lisa Betancourt, I remember her. Shout out to her. She's a teacher yep. now too. Great soccer player too. Laura Hurd was another one. Yep. I don't know if you I was remember her, Jamie. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, and just some realistic stuff too, like the rinks were on point. The minor hockey rinks were, were you know, pretty much on point. Uh, it was a nice homage to the Met Center in Bloomington, Minnesota, where the North Stars used to play. They tore it down a couple years after this movie, uh, so it was nice to kind of see that in there. The doubles did a good job, like we mentioned that earlier. Uh, I just want to give a shout out to Guy Germain's double. He was that kid was the best double, I, in my opinion. He was a stud. He was unreal. Mm-hmm. Whoever that kid was that played Guy Germain, he was, he was unreal. Guy Germain's a ladies' man, too. Yeah, he is. Hey, he's just nice. Like, you know who his body, who his double probably was? It's probably like Zach Parise or somebody. Yeah. yeah. Let's say it's right. Zach Parise for story's sake. Something, something, some stud. Yeah. He would have been, he would have had to have been older than Parise. Parise would have been like yeah. seven at the time, but yeah. Uh, the kids chirping each other is kind of fun. I mean, we used to do that stuff when you're that age, right? The rivalries oh, yeah. between the hockey teams. Uh, you guys already kind of touched on the politics and stuff like that. Uh, the asshole coaches that you get sometimes. Uh, Fulton Reed being the kid who had a cannon and peewee—that was realistic. There was always a kid that hit puberty early that had just bombs and dominated. Right? The gear was really good for the movie, and I love that era of gear, like the the Cooper SK two thousand helmet. With gear the was unreal. Like that was the Eric Lindros one World Juniors look. I love that. that the visors helmet. were good in this one. Yeah, my, my Cooper helmet that. My Cooper Elf back then was white, and I had black sides on it. And we yeah. change it up. Oh, those things are great. That half cage, half visor, eye tech mask. That was yeah. that was like a big deal in '92. And I remember playing a team in summer hockey. The it was the Syracuse Stars, and they had Tim Connolly. And I remember he had that mask. It was sick. I wanted one of those masks so bad. <laughs> uh, just good look at the time. They had the Vaughn pads. Yep. Eastern aluminum sticks, tackle pants, those roller pucks were a big deal back then. Yeah. Absolutely. The aluminum sticks, the aluminums would have been like kind of fresh on the market then too, right? Yeah. 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 Like Gretzky was the first big name to be using that from what I remember. Yep. My... That shopping spree scene like introduced a lot of gear. Oh, like how Mario 3 was introduced on the wizard. Same idea. It was like, it was like the let of all those. They paid a lot of bills with that scene, I think. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, those Hawks uniforms are sick, too. I like those unis. Unrealistic? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Here we go. Webb, Web, you already nailed a lot of ones that I, that I had as well. Um, so, wait, wait, before you go into it, so somebody please clarify this for me. Is this a house league? I, no. I, to this no, day, like, I can't understand how this isn't a house league. They're no, playing in the same city. This is this is my next uh, point on that because they actually show a map of it yeah. when they're when they, when he shows the, the the districts and one of the teams that uh, they play earlier is West uh, Duluth. So if you look at a map of Minnesota, Duluth is like right up north near the Canadian border. Yeah, I know. So this is uh, any any they mention at the end. It's the state champion Pee Wee Championship. So they're okay, talking about so, Minnesota. It's not so, it's not league. This is a rep league. It's supposed to essentially be like triple a basically so how do they have a triple a team that's playing in football helmets that's what i mean like, <laughs> like that's, that's really unrealistic. That's no crazy. dave carp back there holy <laughs> Christ! yeah there's and, and there's no, and peter the like the fawns double that's like two foot three no there's no way that a rep team from minneapolis is gonna be that bad there's just no no way. no no, no. They, they can barely stand up. And there's no way that the kids are going to be as bad as they were at the start of the movie. And then, like, two to three months later, they're, like, studs. Like, the kids yeah. at the Ducks, the way they're playing at the end of the movie, they're buzzing, right? Um, and you we already talked about, like, the, the gear at the beginning. There's no way. The you're not allowed to play in that gear. Remember back in the day, we couldn't. If you didn't have your neck, neck guard on properly, you got, like, tossed from the game, basically. Yeah, you had to have that stamp on there. Remember? You had to have a certain thing on there. Exactly. Yeah. Helmet had to have the CSA seal, the whole bit. Yeah. And your neck guard had to have a thing. They were big sticklers on equipment. Like, you're not wearing an oversized football helmet on the ice. Averman's wearing a cardigan as a jersey. (laughs) (laughs) Averman's awesome. And also, like, these kids who, like, the only parents we really see are Charlie Conway's parents and Jesse. Jesse. Uh, So, we're a lot of these kids. Paul's dad gave up overtime for this. Right, like we're, a lot of these kids are from a tough area of town, right? And there's no way they're able to afford rep hockey. Only the cake eaters are at this point, right? Right. So the, <laughs> and like the multiple times, like having the open net, uh, open net, and skating around the net for the wraparound. Like how many times did that move happen in the movie? It's just a stupid. Like that's just somebody writing the movie that has no idea what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Like, they're keeping these moves. The triple deke's a lame move. It's really just stick mm-hmm. handling. <laughs> stupid obviously what about banksy's post move and that when he's right in front of the net and goes one-handed underneath the guy with the, the backhand on the stick he oh like, yeah he's like back yeah. he's like fucking oh, yeah, the goalie yeah. this and he turns and yeah so the ducks squeak into the playoffs but somehow they don't play the hawks until the finals like that doesn't make any sense right <laughs> no yeah. seeding going on no that'd be one versus eight right uh, the yeah, the, you already talked about the rollerblading scene. Uh, McGill cross checks Banks, hurts him so bad that they need a stretcher to take him off the ice, but he only gets a two minute minor. That wouldn't <laughs> happen. Charlie going buckets off for the penalty shot at the end of the game wouldn't be allowed. But, How awesome would that actually be, though? With your flow <laughs> going, that would be so awesome. <laughs> and scoring and doing like a big celebration. Oh, yeah, with no helmet on. He'd He's on the bench like this, the water bottle slicking the oh, head. Yeah. You'd feel so cool. Oh, yeah. No hell, and that cold air in your face, you'd be the man. Yeah, and like Gordon Bombay quitting hockey at age 10, doesn't play for 20 years, 
and then somehow fucking Basil <laughs> McRae gets him a contract in the American Hockey League. Like, no, <laughs> not happening. Uh, Let me just call. I know a guy. I know a guy. You uh, know what I... Sorry, here's a, ahead, here's a small one. Why is Adam Banks' dad still wearing his Hawks team jacket in the final game? Like, buy a new jacket, you cheap fuck. You're loaded. You're from Edina. You know, because <laughs> he's a Mississauga hockey dad who just can't let go. That's no. exactly what he is. Refers to his kid by his draft year. Yeah, yeah, Banks is a draft year kid. He's an Banks, 80, he's Banks, a, Banks is an 80. Banks is a 99. Yeah. So Banks would be about an 83. That's it. Would he be 83, 81? He would have Something been an like 81 that. or an 80 back then, yeah. Yeah, he'd be 80, uh, 81. Oh, yeah. This wasn't this isn't an unrealistic thing, but it was just a when when they started using Cokes for the champagne shower, as a parent, did you just like fringe? <laughs> oh yeah. Like the stains like, everywhere. Yeah. You're like, you're not that's that's so sticky, it's gonna be gross. It's gonna be sticky, that's exactly yeah. what I said to Melissa. Yeah. I said to Melissa, I'm like, that'd be so sticky. It would be so gross. <laughs> Um, you know what I had, Jamer? One thing to fake was, uh, well, you know, I I talked about Emilio going out for that skate. When he lifted his leg to tie his skate, no one lifts their left leg while they tie their skate. I'm sorry. That is the fakest thing I ever saw. I forgot to mention that. Who does that? You do not lift your leg and tie your skate. Anyway, sorry. Uh, and he also tied them. That's like the, the loosest skate tying I've ever seen. Yeah. With shoelaces. His skate laces yeah. are shoelaces. Too. Yeah. Uh, let's jump into the soundtrack. So the music was composed by David Newman. In his 25-year career, Newman scored over 100 films, including War of the Roses, Bowfinger. That actually had a wicked soundtrack, Bowfinger. Bowfinger, uh, I remember that. Mm. Ghetto the Superstar Nutty was on that one. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. The Nutty Professor, The Sandlot, and Tom- Tommy Boy. So pretty good career. Yeah, he's the Ooh. son of nine-time Oscar award-winning composer Alfred Newman. And he's the cousin of, my, of our boy Randy Newman. Pretty good family. Yeah, what did you guys think of the soundtrack? Uh, lots of good. I saw some Queens. And I was, sorry, Web to steal a term. Stadium songs. That was great. Hockey music. Um, the good vibrations. I'll, that'll forever be in my head. Yeah. Because like I said, it's one of my favorite scenes. So I'm yeah. going to be really quick on this one. That I that the soundtrack that made my soundtrack is that as a child it was one of the best scenes I could ever think of. Why at that age walking into a hockey store and buying whatever you wanted. Yeah, the whole outfitting. I think that's awesome. So I kind of have a romantic notion to myself about that part. And good stadium song was fine for me. Yeah, there's not a whole lot to really add, Jerry. You, know, you kind of hit the head on the the nail there, or hit the, whatever the expression is. Um, anytime you can put Queen on a soundtrack, that's an A plus for me. So well done. Yeah, not much to add. So let's jump into our wrap up. Where does this movie rank among all-time hockey movies, and where do you have it among all-time sports movies? Okay, as much as I've ripped on this, it still, to me, has to be pretty high in the hockey movies because of the cultural impact it had. It essentially created an NHL hockey team. Yeah. Um, the Disney factor of it. Um, I can't remember when I watched this, but I remember literally back in 1992 sitting there with a guy I used to play minor hockey with, and I hadn't watched Mighty Ducks yet, and I said, what's Mighty Ducks like? He said, it's stupid, but it's funny. I remember yeah. the quote really well. And we were in sixth grade, maybe sixth grade, fifth grade, whatever we were in. Stupid, Jordan's stupid, but it's funny. Watch it. And I was like, okay. So Is I it- think the impact of it, the quotes that you'll always say of it, it has to be somewhere up pretty high. I don't have it at one, not two, not three. I might have it at five because of the impact it had with me. And the era it came out in our age now. I think we always will have Mighty Ducks and the quotes that we'll take from it and just the scenes yep. of it. 
uh, overall, it's it's yeah, my job, all that kind of stuff. It's further, <laughs> it's further yeah. down. It's further down overall. But in hockey, it's up there pretty. It's in hockey, it's up pretty good. Overall, it's down, and that's my job. <laughs> Webb's grumpy face saying, "My job, my job." <laughs> With a giant beard. Uh, <laughs> hockey movies. I'm gonna put it at three. I think I had Miracle at four, so I have to put it at three. Uh, for a lot of the same things you touched on, Jared, the fact that, you know, it spawned an NHL team. I like the fact that, I mean, it had sequels, right? And I actually think mm-hmm. the sequels are kind of better than the original in this case. Uh, D2 I, for sure. D2 for sure. Good. I actually like D3 where they go to college a little too. bit. It's, it's actually the bit. most realistic. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, uh, it launched the career of, of – whatever his name is there, Josh Jackson, pretty pretty well, too. So, you know, there's some and a good Canadian kid there. So I like that. Pacey? Pacey. Yeah. Call him Pacey if you want to. Well, okay. <laughs> uh, and I like, like I said earlier, the fact that they they include uh, girls in this one with as no big deal, uh, and then Julie the Cat in the second one, and then Russ in the second one, too, like the African-American piece in the second one, that's, that's big. Uh, so, you know, I, I think it's probably three, uh, just because of the, that kind of staying power. And I mean, it's anybody our age or even younger, right? Kids know it still today. Any any hockey team's watching it on a bus and they're still getting a kick out of it. So, you know, uh, I'll say it's at three for me. It's, it's ahead of Miracle. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, as an adult, I don't know if I'll ever watch it again without having to watch it with a group of kids or something like that. So all time... I don't know. I might make top 50. I don't know if I'd want to watch it again, but in terms of like ranking other sports movies, I think I'd probably have to put it in the top 50. Yeah. I've got it at number eight in hockey movies. And uh, I've got it somewhere between 80 and 100 probably in my all time. And, and like I said, like as much as there's a lot of like goofy, unrealistic stuff, and you touched on it earlier, Jared. It's a it's a funny movie. It's fun. It's a yeah. it's in this, like I'll always have like Cleo wanted to watch it. I have no problem putting it on again and like having some fun with it because it's it's an enjoyable movie, right? Like Cleo watched some of it with me. You know what you're gonna get with it. Yeah, it's it's, it's like comfort food, right? It is it's like yeah. having a box of Kraft dinner. You know it's really not good for you, but you're gonna do it anyways. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> not good for you. yeah. Like um, Robert e- uh, Roger Ebert actually had a pretty good. Uh, um, quote during his review of it, he said that uh, the Mighty Ducks is the kind of movie that might have been written by a computer program. It tells a story that has been told time and time again about the misfit coach who handled the, who's handed a team of kids of losers and turns them into winners while redeeming himself. Even the usual characters are there. The opposing coach who persecuted the hero when he was a kid, the kid who has a divorced mom that the hero falls in love with, the tough rebel kid who needs to channel his anger. Anger. And actually, when I was watching it this time, uh, one thing kept standing out to me. I've seen this movie before. Mm-hmm. Bad you know, News Bears. Bad News Bears. There it is. <laughs> Kelly Lee is full Bad News Kelly Bears is way better. Yeah. Because Bombay's a more polished butter maker. Fulton Reed's Kelly Leak. Charlie yep. Conway's Amanda Wurlitzer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, all that being There's said, not as many story holes in, in Bad News Bears as there is no, in this one. No. Who do you have as uh, Tatum O'Neill or, uh, oh, what's the, not Tatum, um, Amanda Wurlitzer? That's no, Charlie. the shortstop. The, no, the mouthy kid. Oh, little Tanner. Kid. Tanner. Tanner, that's Tanner. Sorry, yeah. He's the, he's the kid. He'd uh, be Averman. 
The little Neverman, maybe? No, no, no. Or Peter. Peter. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Averman's probably... There's another kid that's kind of annoying that's not very good. They're all not very good, but... (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, let's jump into our draft this week. So, this week... uh, Our draft this week is going to be... And we're going to keep in line with the movie that we just did. The best movie roles played by either a Sheen or an Estevez family member. So the best movie roles played by a Sheen or an Estevez family member. And I think I have first pick, do I not? You yeah, do. you first, Webb second, me third. Well, I think, I think I'd be uh, doing this whole thing in injustice if I didn't lead off with, with, the, with the home run and, and take uh, uh, Captain Benjamin L. Willard from Apocalypse Now played by Martin Sheen, the patriarch of the family. That's my pick. Good pick. Great pick, Jamer. Oh. You know what the funny story, Jamer? At work today, I said to Webb, I go, oh, Jamer is first pick. And I go, he's picking Apocalypse now. Just lock it in now. Lock it in. I said to Webb, I go, it's going, at, at 8 o'clock this morning, I go, Jamer will pick Apocalypse yeah. now. How is he not? It's a great, first lock of all, it's a great in. movie. Lock it it's in. It's a great soundtrack. I have the, I have the album. I have, the, I have it Fantastic on vinyl. Fantastic movie. Yeah. Good pick, pick, James. Yeah. All right, I got next. Uh, ooh, who do I got? I got quite the list here. I kind of want to do a twofer, but I feel like you guys won't let me. Uh, There's a bunch of twofers with these guys. Well, I was going to say, I mean, I kind of wanted to go. Oh, geez. No, okay, here we go. I'll go with. Uh, I'll go with uh, Emilio Estevez's Andrew Clark in the Breakfast ooh. Club. My grass. That was going to be my first. My pick. I, it's it's tough. Like yeah, tough ones, but I, I got other ones down in the pipe that I think I'm going to try and sneak in here. So I'll go with that one as number one. That's a good pick. All right, all right. So I'm going to go. So I get two in a row. I'm also going to go with Emilio because I love these movies, baby. I love Billy the Kid and Young Guns. I yeah. love Young Guns <laughs> movies. I love them. They're the best. Uh, so I'm going to go with Young Guns movies. Hey, both one before you move on, yeah, I saw when I was researching, they're doing yeah. a new Young Guns movie. What? Come on. Called, of course they are. It's called Guns 3. Is Lou Diamond like, Phillips in it? I don't know. I they haven't announced any other characters other than uh, Emilio. Emilio is <sighs> Emilio's acting in it, and he's also a writer and producer or something. <laughs> That's great. I'm uh, gonna, Sure. Even if it sucks, I don't care. Doesn't matter. It Love doesn't matter. Like my, my favorite movies back in the day. Okay, so I'm gonna go with Charlie Sheen. Lots for Charlie Sheen. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna leave things open a lot open for you guys, but this movie, um, growing up, he doesn't have a huge role in it, but it's an iconic role. And if you watch oh, you Go- if you watch the Goldbergs, he recreates yes. this role again. Yes. Great so pick. I'm going to go with Ferris Bueller, where he's the guy at the gym. Boy in the Jennifer police Gray. station. Yeah, he's talking to Jennifer Gray. And if you watch yeah. the Goldbergs, they recreate this scene. I was going to so, sneak that. I was going to try and sneak that one in. I left a lot of Charlie Sheen's open. Foreshadowing to his uh, his future. I loved it. I love that role. <laughs> All right, so that's off the board. That's off the board. All I right. got you back for the Andrew Clark Breakfast Club. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh. All right, 
I'm going with I'm going with Charlie Sheen as well. Uh, I'm going with Charlie Sheen as Topper Harley in yes. Hot Shots nice. Part One and Part Two. Simply for the line, my father used to say that not playing to win is like sleeping with your sister. Sure, she's a great piece of tail with a blouse full of goodies, <laughs> but it's just illegal. Then you get to the whole inbred thing. Kids with no teeth who do nothing but play the banjo, eat applesauce or drop pork farm animals. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, oh that's great. Good pick. All right, I got two now. So I'm going go, uh, to go with a movie that I just loved growing up uh i thought he kicked the shit out of this role too i'm going with charlie sheen as bud fox in wall nice. street great love that movie um and then i love the cameo that him and uh michael douglas have in the second wall street with uh shia labeouf the, yeah. the wall yeah. street never sleeps or something like whatever it is yeah money uh, never sleeps yeah, and what was the what was the line they had? All they were always talking about the 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 stock that burned them. Uh, Anacott Steel loves Anacott Steel. Yeah, Anacott Steel loves something I can't remember. Um, anyway, and with my second pick, I'm kind of going off the board here. This was a movie that I I used to it used to scare me as a kid, but I always loved it too. Uh, I'm going with Emilio Estevez as Bill Robinson in Stephen King's Maximum Overdrive. Do you guys remember that movie? Yeah, I do. Vaguely. I never watched it, though. It was super scary. I remember, like, as a kid... My, my oldest sister had it around. Yeah, like, my sister would watch oh, scary movies yeah. or something, or my, or, like, my parents or something, and I would, like, hide around the corner and watch them, when, like, when I was supposed to be in bed, and, like, and then have nightmares for, like, weeks. But I remember <laughs> watching this movie, like, secretly and just being terrified. It was a good movie. It was, like, where uh, aliens basically took all over all the electronics on Earth, and they... Anything that had a motor or electronics, and they started turning on everybody and killing everybody. And, like, Emilio Estevez was, like, kind of the hero in it. And they get they all get hoarded into this truck stop. And then all the trucks were, like, circling outside because they're being controlled by the aliens trying to kill them. So, And they had to save the world. Corny movie, but it was, it was good. All right, I'm going to be that guy. I don't care. I'm going to do it. You guys can call uh, foul on it or not. I'm going Carl Taylor and James St. James. In as Emilio Estevez and Charlie Sheen for Men at Work, uh, oh, simply because that was, simply because allowable. Since, yeah. Simply because I can't differentiate between the two of them for that movie, uh, and I mean because Lewis is the best in that movie, and he has the <laughs> one line that we still quote every single time at the golf course. Our buddy, shout out to our skip Mark Sodomen, who every time he finds a tee on the ground says, "Somebody threw away a perfectly good white boy." Every <laughs> single time, so. Uh, and then, of course, golf clap, golf clap. Uh, so I'm going with the last pick. I'm taking them both. Nice two for fantastic pick. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, there's a lot of great movies on the board. Um, but you know what? It doesn't matter because we're going to go back to um, the world's greatest little island. And it's a Martin Sheen role. Martin Sheen, believe it or not, you guys don't, may not know this, but he actually played Matthew Cuthbert in Anne of Green Gables. Oh so I'm going to go... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I'm going Matthew Cuthbert. Marchie. I love you, Prince Edward Island. In Anne of Green Gables. You are the greatest island in the world. Oh my gosh. Wow. I don't worry oh. about the <laughs> 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 
That doesn't matter about the departed. Pick. Nope. Doesn't matter. Catch me if you can. Doesn't wow. matter about the departed. I'm going Matt Martin Sheen and I'm Green Gables, baby. Oh my God, Jake. Rick Wild Thing Vaughn is left on the shelf. Platoon uh, how about, left? How about Chris and Platoon? Platoon yeah. got left. Uh, eight eight men out. Yeah, that was a good one. You know what else I want I had was uh, Estevez as Kirby Keeger in St. Elmo's Fire. Great soundtrack. Uh, I, you know what? I, great I remember movie. the soundtrack more than I remember the actual movie. Yeah. I've got that vinyl, Ooh. too. If no, you want to watch a good one again, watch that one again. It's pretty solid. How about, how about Emilio Estevez's Two-Bit Matthews? Outsiders. Yeah. Uh, I have lots of art and sheen. That have, like, the part of, uh, there's a movie at like, Gettysburg where he plays Robert E. Lee. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's great in that role. There's a lots of good ones. Catch me. Did we mention Queenan? Queenan and the Departed. Yeah. I just quickly said the Departed, but I didn't say Queenan from the Departed. But you know what else? My other honorable mention was Jamer. You'll for sure remember this movie uh, because it was on TMN or whatever the movie network all the time when we were kids. Uh, Charlie Sheen is as Jack. I had to write it down. Jack Jack Hammond in the Chase. So when we. Where he like robs Christy Swanson. Swanson. Yeah, at the gas station and they go on like basically oh. the OJ chase. She was a rocket back then. Oh there, my dude. god, yeah. At the end of the, the movie, I just remember they're like in the Buffy's sunset. Vampire Slayer? Yeah. Buffy the Vampire Slayer too. Yeah, and then she got all crazy. And he robs her with like a candy bar. He like she holds her up with a candy in, uh, bar. She got arrested at the merchant here in Kingston. She got in a fight with Yeah, at the merchant. Anyway, I won't get into details, but <laughs> Uh, you can look it up um so let's uh let's wrap this baby up tell them where to hit us up web all right thanks everybody for listening engaging with us don't forget to like subscribe and leave us a review you can hit us up on instagram at big league flicks uh and on uh twitter sorry at big league flicks pod and on twitter at big league flicks you can also check us out on tiktok uh where you'll see brucey the dog and uh check us out on youtube as well take care everybody have a great week Cheers. Happy St. Patty's Day. Be safe. Stay safe. Yeah, stay <laughs> safe. Big League Flicks, Jordan, Christian, and Jammer talking movies about sports and the glitz and the glamour. Got a cold beer pairing for the leading lady staring. Fun facts and trivia and man rocket comparing. Soundtracks and music, they'll rate all these things. Was it real or did they lose us as the fat lady sings? Talking junk, have a giggle, comedy, drama, romance. Did the film deliver six to noon in my pants? With their big bag of tricks, these podcast critics. Jordan, Christian, and Jammer with Big League Flicks. Jordan, Christian, and Jammer with Big League Flicks. Jordan, Christian, and Jammer!